Okay, you ready, AP? Ready when you are. Let's lay this baby down. Lofty, you on the guitar, mate. You right, Scope? Yep, standing by. Bertie, you on the bass? Yep, ready to go. All right, here we go then. One, two, three, four. Just two good old boys. Two good old boys. Never meeting a harm. Before he never saw the hat, no hair since the day they was born. Straighten the curves. Straighten the curves. Flatten the heels. The coffee might get him, but the Lord never will. For casting away. Everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Good to have you on board today. For those of you who are new to the show, what do we do here? Well, it's a show designed to help you get your mojo working in and out of work. We find guests, we chat to them, extract their tips, their tools, their opinions. We put them out there for you and your friends for them to take and get their mojo working. As always, behind the panel, our chief engineer driving the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show. Robbo, welcome to this week. Thank you. It all sounds very important, chief engineer. I'll, I'll try to upgrade you a bit because you're not getting, don't think you're not getting any more pay for it, but I just thought that was just better than kind of, you know, audio engineer or producer. <laughs> I thought chief engineer sounds like, sounds like we've got a big production team. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Because if you're the chief, that means there's others and there ain't. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors, that's what radio is all about. That's what we learned anyway. Hi, I'm Maria Gronberg. I'm a climber. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro four times and summited Mount Everest this year of May. Oh man, I'm struggling through the Mojo Show. The Mojo Radio Show. So let's get into it. Our guest this week is Melissa Ambrosini, who is the best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl. Melissa is a speaker and a self-proclaimed self-love teacher. You know a bit about self-love, mate, don't you? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, so you keep telling me. Now, this is Melissa's second visit to the show. Having been a previous guest on episode 81, I will put a link to that previous show in the show notes or you can find it on iTunes. But that was a while ago. So since then... Melissa has written a new book called Open Wide, which is the subject for today. And it's about, I don't know, working through your limiting beliefs and ditching self-doubt so you can start to live the world that you want to live. So we're delighted to have her back on the show. Melissa, welcome back 
It's the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We kind of sucked too much the first time around if you came back again. That's pretty good. Oh, I'm honoured. Thank you so much. (laughs) So for those who may not have heard the first time around, Melissa, when somebody says, what do you do, how do you like to reply? I inspire people to unlock their full potential and live their best life. And I do that through a couple of different mediums, such as writing books, speaking on stage and creating online programs and products and eBooks and uh, supporting them through my podcast. So that's what I usually say. That's good. That's a good answer. And let's, we'll talk about your new book, Open Wide. Why, it's an interesting title. Why the title Open Wide? Like, why that book? Because it became my mantra for myself um, many years ago. And this is because I believe that in every moment we have one or two choices. We're either open or we're closed. We're choosing love or we're choosing fear. And so in those moments where I feel like I'm closing down, choosing fear, hanging out with my inner critic in my mind, I say to myself, open wide, Melissa, open up, open your heart, open your mind, open up. Because if we walk around closed, shut down and not open to the beauty that's all around us, uh, we're going to live a very different life to the life that we could live if we were just open to all of the beauty that is constantly surrounding us. And I see people all the time walking around incredibly closed, and I was for many years, Um, but I don't want to miss any of the beauty that is just everywhere in nature, in our relationships, in our work, in our interactions. There's beauty everywhere. You just have to look up and open up. And so that's where the title came from because it's my it's my mantra. There's a couple of things came from that and I'll just say at the top. So open wide to possibilities, get that. What's it feel like to be closed? Because when you are a successful person in the public eye through speaking and writing, people share stories, people tell you their, their dark secrets, the things that are troubling them. From your experience, your own personal experience and those you, the stories you've heard, what's it feel like to not be open wide but to be closed? Yeah, they're very different feelings. There's, there's, they are very different. Being open feels very different to being closed. And if you close your eyes for a moment and you think about being closed off, shut down, your shoulders might come forward, you know, if you're feeling angry and resentful and upset and frustrated and closed off. Yeah, your whole chest kind of concaves and your body might feel a little bit tight and restricted and contractive. And then I want you to feel what it feels like to be open. Like, what does that feel like to have your heart open, to have your mind open, to have every cell in your entire body open wide? You know, if your shoulders come back, you might start to smile. It feels a little bit lighter and more effortless in your body as opposed to heavy and contractive. So, they're two very different feelings. And in every moment of every day, 
we're either opened or we're closed. And my goal in life is to walk around open to everything, open to every opportunity, open to every person. Like I could have easily got in my Uber yesterday from the airport and just sat there and been totally closed off to this other human being who's sitting in the front seat. But I chose to open wide and I chose to be love in that moment and ask him how his day was. I could have easily listened to a podcast or scrolled Instagram and been shut off to that experience, but I chose to open up to it. And I had the most beautiful heart opening conversation with this uh, another human being that has changed me. And that's the possibility when you open wide. What's, what's the dialogue that goes through? So you've talked about how it feels to be closed. What's the dialogue that's going through the mind of somebody who has that physiology that's closing off? Let's talk about it in the context of uh, a love relationship. So with my husband and I, if I'm closing off, that inner dialogue could sound like, he never does anything. I'm so annoyed. I'm so pissed off. Um, don't bother opening up. You're going to get hurt. Just close off your heart. You always, you always, he always does this. It's all his fault. Don't even bother. You know, that sort of inner dialogue and nothing good comes from closing. Nothing good ever comes from closing down and shutting off, ever. And in those moments where I want to close down and shut off and slam the door, that's the work. Opening back up in those moments where I want to so desperately close down, that is the work. And that's where we grow and evolve the most is when we ply ourselves open in those moments where we really don't want to, but we do it anyway. That's how we grow. So you said, I just want to rewind a second. You said the open wide became your mantra. I think mantras are an interesting area of discussion because I think there are people who would love to have a mantra or let's call it a purpose or a guiding principle, a North Star and people find it hard to settle on something because it has to be sexy. It has to be something that they tell people to go, oh, wow, that's fantastic. And so in doing so, I reckon a lot of people just never put down a mantra, never, never actualize a purpose because they're so worried about it sounding cool and sexy. How, how does one go about finding a mantra? Like yours is obviously very powerful. It's now become a book. You're now speaking about it. What's your view on mantras or purpose or principle statements? Help someone along. Are they really important? And if they are, help somebody along with how do you find, how do you make one up? Yeah, okay, so this is like a two-pronged question here. So let's talk about purpose and North Star first and then we'll talk about mantras. So I think it's so imperative that you know your purpose here on earth. I think it's very, very important. And that doesn't have to be grandiose for everyone. Like some people are like, I want to eradicate homelessness and that is my mission here on earth. And go for it. If that's your mission, go for it. 
you know, some other people, I know other people who their mission here on earth is to serve others. Their mission here on earth is to be the best mother that they can be. Their mission here on earth is to uh, be the best wife that they can be. And whatever you believe is your role here on earth is correct. Whatever it is, it's correct because it's what you believe. And I believe that my mission here on earth is to inspire others to unlock their full potential and be the best version of themselves, whatever that looks like for every single person. It's going to be different. Um, and so a big part of that mission is is service to others, is to really help others unlock that potential and step into their true brilliance. So that's why I believe I'm here. But I also believe, you know, um, I have other other missions as well. And that is my North Star. So everything I do in my life is heading toward that North Star, is with my ship is pointing in that direction. And so it helps me stay on my path and helps me stay on my purpose. And when you don't have this North Star or this why or this purpose, you flounder. And you kind of get very distracted and you're like, oh, what's that shiny object over there? Or what's, oh, maybe I want to start a photography school. Oh, no, now I want to be a uh, singer. And no, now I really want to start a coaching business. Like those people that are kind of flipping from one thing to the next is because they haven't really stopped and tuned in and asked themselves, like, what is my purpose here on earth? So I think absolutely going inward and discovering what it is that you want to do in this world and and what your mission is. And like I said, it could be, I want to, my mission on the earth is to raise my four beautiful children to be the best versions of themselves. Like whatever it is, there's no right or wrong here. Um, So having that big vision is very, very important. And then picking mantras that help stay, help you stay on your path is also really important. So I have a few mantras that I use in my toolkit that I pull out at different times in my life. So I know, um, what I need at that time. So it's, you don't have to have one mantra for the rest of your life because you will grow and change and evolve and you might not need that one anymore, but then you need another one. And so having a couple is a really great thing to do. You know, another one that I love to say is be love, be love or choose love instead of fear. Um, You know, you can have this little toolkit of mantras that you whip out when you most need them. And it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to sound fancy. Like just pick words that resonate with you. Another one that I really love and I use a lot is this too shall pass. So when I am feeling incredibly frustrated, angry or sad or disappointed, I don't suppress that feeling because 
emotions are just energy in motion. I allow myself to feel anything that comes up because I know it's just a wave and it has to, it will pass. But whilst I'm sitting in the discomfort or the anger or the frustration or the sadness, I say to myself, this too shall pass because nothing is permanent, not even happiness and joy. That will pass too. It's a wave and they're all, every wave is different. No two wave is, waves are ever the same. And we have to ride these waves. That's life. And so when I'm in that real icky stage sometimes, um, I just remind myself that this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And that's another mantra that I, I love and I whip out when I need it. You, you mentioned the word fear just then. And one thing I'm curious about at the start of the book, at the very, very start of the book, the first few pages, you talked about fear. Now, you said you were fearful in starting the book. And what I don't quite understand is where that fear comes from. If I look at you from the outside, you're a beautiful lady. You said in the book, you've got your soulmate, your perfect partner. You're very, very happy together. You've got best-selling books, happily married, you post a photo on Instagram and you get literally thousands of people admiring you and adoring you. You've got celebrity friends who've endorsed your book. For Melissa, what's there to be, what are you fearful of? Like why, why would you say there's fear when you seemingly to the outside world have it all going on? (laughs) I, um, this is a really great question. Fear is our ego or what I call our inner mean girl or our inner bad boy. You can call it your inner critic. And the thing is, is that fear is present within everyone. And some people just have a really loud inner critic or a really loud ego. And some people have really learned how to master it and dial it down. Hopefully those people that have read Mastering Your Mean Girl will have, you know, been able to turn down the volume on their ego. But the thing is, is we all have fear. Every single person on this earth has fear. Yes, they're very varying degrees, but everyone has fear. But fear is not our truth. Fear is not the reason uh, we are here. But fear is there to hold us back and to stop us from unlocking our full potential and being the best version of ourselves. We all have an ego. It's, it's part of us. Um, but we, the real work is not letting that run and ruin and dictate our life. So I just want everyone listening to know that I'm not perfect And I actually don't use that word perfect. I have eliminated the word perfect and perfection from my vocabulary. And I think a lot of women especially need to do this because they are striving for this quote unquote perfect relationship, perfect body, perfect life, perfect health. But that is going, that is coming from fear And that is going to keep you stuck. And so what I do is I, 
delete that word perfect from my life and my vocabulary. And I simply just strive to have be the best version of me, whatever that looks like. And that is a lot easier than striving for this unrealistic perfection that is portrayed on Instagram. So I want everyone to just really know that that doesn't exist. You know, my husband and I still have disagreements you know, we don't, we're not enlightened. We haven't, if we were, we would have levitated out of this body by now and gone on to another realm, but we're still here. My butt is still on this chair because there's still more for me to learn in this lifetime. So please don't think that I have this perfect life. Um, I still have fears creep in, but I'm really good at mastering them now and living my best life. So at the start of the book, you said you were writing, you had fear in one word. What did you fear? I guess my inner mean girl was saying to me, you can't write a book about this. Who do you think you are? You can't do this. You, you, the first time was a fluke. The first, the first bestseller was a fluke. You won't be able to do it again. Get over it. Don't even bother. No one's going to buy it. It's going to be a flop. So that was, I, I can't give you one word. It was more like internal dialogue and that's what it was saying. You know, as I sat down to write this book, it was, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? You're not a relationship expert. Um, this is not going to be as successful as Mastering a Mean Girl. You know, that's that was what was going on in my mind. But I chose to master it and write it anyway because I knew what I had to share was going to be really powerful and I had to get it out. And I'm so glad I did because, you know, already it's been such a huge success and it's inspired so many people and helped so many people already. So I'm so glad that I mastered her when I first sat down and chose to choose love instead and open wide instead and sit my butt down and just ride it. So are you scared of failing? Because people look at this ideal world of a beautiful woman, relationship, books. Were you scared of failing? I guess so. I guess if you, yeah, if you take all of that internal dialogue and you break it all down, yeah, it comes down to failing. Yep, definitely. Something I think is really powerful. You talk about experiencing deep inner pain. And this comes from some of your previous books and the work you've done, the stories you've told. And you said that that deep inner pain came from ignoring and denying your own truth. And what I'd like to know is how do people find that truth, Melissa? Because I think there's all these different voices going around inside our head and our hearts. How, how does someone actually know what their truth is? I'm going to debunk a myth first before I answer that question. And that myth is, you said we have lots of different voices in our heads and our hearts. We actually only have one voice in our head and it can sound like 50,000 voices because it wears different uh, costumes, your like ego that. Your ego disguises, yeah. yeah, your ego disguises itself in different costumes and different voices. So it'll use different voices. It'll be like, you can't do this, Melissa, or who do you think you are? So it uses different voices, but it's only one voice, okay? And that voice of fear in your head 
You can call it your inner mean girl. You can call it Mary. You can call it Bob. I don't care what you call it. You can call it your ego, whatever, whatever feels good for you. But let's debunk that myth that there's 50,000 voices because there's not. There's only one, one voice. And then, so that lives up in your head. And then if we slide on back down into our heart space, that is where our intuition lives. And that doesn't necessarily speak to you in words. It speaks to you in feelings. So it's more of a feeling like someone's like, why did you, why did you do that? Why did you just get on a plane and go to Bali? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I just did it. I just had this feeling in my stomach and in my heart and I just booked the ticket and I went to Bali. Like I'm sure you guys can relate to that. I'm sure everyone listening can relate to that. They've probably had at least one experience in their life where they have, they could say, I don't know. I just, I can't explain it. I can't verbally explain it. I just had this feeling and I went for it. So that's your intuition. That's your truth. That's your higher being, your inner self, your soul talking. And so it doesn't talk in words necessarily. It's more a gut instinct, a feeling, a pull, you know, that sort of thing. So I really want to differentiate between the two and I want to break it down because I know, especially for women, and I can only speak for, from women, for women, because I am a female, but I know for us, it feels like we sometimes have 50,000 voices in our head or 50,000 choices. You don't, you have your head or your heart, you have your soul or your ego, your inner mean girl. So you only got two. That's, that's so much more digestible, huh? It's like not as overwhelming, right? We've only got two So the next question is, how do we strengthen our intuition? How do we turn up the volume on our heart, our intuition, our gut instinct, and turn down the volume of our inner critic? That is the question. And how you do that is by mastering your mean girl every single day and following your intuition every single day. And you have to practice this daily because we have moments every day to practice it. We have to practice daily. It's like a muscle. It's like going to the gym every day. You go to the gym every day. You work out every day. I mean, ideally, we'd all be moving our bodies every single day in some way, whether it's a walk or yoga or weights training, whatever it is. So think of this the same way you think about working your body and moving your body. The more you do it every day, the stronger it's going to get. So you practice this every day, that volume in your head is going to slowly, slowly be turned down and the volume in your heart, the intuition, the feeling, that's going to be strengthened and turned up. So that is how you trust it. That's how you listen to it, by practicing it every day. There is no quick fix. There's no pill. There's no magic solution other than doing the work every single day. Can people confuse intuition and maybe fear where people never step into an area of discomfort when actually that area of discomfort could help them grow, develop, 
and be, as you say, the, a version, a better version of themselves. Do those things sometimes sort of conflict and get in the way of each other? Well, it kind of comes back to, if you're confused, it comes back to the feeling that we spoke about before, you know. One makes you feel expansive and one makes you contract. You know, when you're choosing fear, when you're hanging out in your comfort zone and you're scared to step out, you're usually in a closed and more contractive uh, energy. But when we step out of our comfort zone, when we open ourselves up to new experiences and stepping out of um, that safety zone, you're usually more open, you're more receptive. So you, if you are confused, you could tap into your feeling and you could ask yourself, well, how am I feeling? Am I feeling open or am I feeling closed right now? Am I contracting or am I expanding? That's a good indicator on uh, how, you're, how you're going. It seems when people are posting on their socials, Melissa, they only post themselves in the best light, like to create a perception of themselves that their world is good. They're never really posting seemingly their true authentic self or, as you describe it, their, their open why, their, their, their true self. What, the words you use is what's and all. Is this social posting and social posturing, is that leading us down a rabbit hole of not knowing who we really are? Yeah, and I think it's it's a big illusion and I try and be as open and authentic and honest in my posting. I really do. It's something that I really want to do. Um, but I will never post if I'm in the middle of something. If I'm in the middle of a spiritual washing machine, I like to call it. If I'm in the middle of something, I won't post until I have come out the other side, had the realization and felt the growth. So I'm never, I'm not the type of person to post when I'm in the middle of my shit. Am I allowed to say that on this show? I think you just did. <laughs> yeah, I just did. You know, I'm I'm not the type of person that is going to post when I'm in the middle of something because there's a couple of reasons for that. There's enough negativity out in the world and I'm not going to contribute to that by saying this sucks and poor me and why me? Why is this happening to me? Blah, blah, blah. You know, life is crap, whatever. I'm not that type of person. There is enough negativity out there in the world that I am not going to contribute to it. That's not my role here on earth. My role here on earth is to be a light and to be a vessel of, for love. So I will post once I have moved through something, I've had the realization and then I can share from that space. So I will then tell the story. So last week I was going through a really challenging time and it was really, this is what I was experiencing. But what I learned was blah, blah. So I post that way. And that's something that I, I really want to um, continue to do. But I do think a lot of people um, are posting just the highlight reel and I, my heart kind of sinks for the younger generation. I think about them 
witnessing because you know we didn't grow up with this we didn't grow up with Instagram and Facebook and you know my generation was you know we we are like we just got computers you know when we when I was finishing high school so we kind of missed that and my heart sinks for the next generation I just think how is this going to play out for them um, having all of these people just post their highlight reels? Like that's that's another motivation for me to be as real as possible so that th- these young girls can really see that it isn't just all about the highlight reel. Yeah, I think you're right because we've spoken to positive psychologists and psychoanalysts on the show and they will say that research is telling us that envy is a – as an emotion is growing, yet empathy is reducing only because of the comparison. And it's in, and I guess where I'm going with that is in your book, In Bold, you had a saying that said, comparison is the thief of joy and it will rob you of deep inner happiness. And I'm just thinking, gee, social feeds must really play into this and be taking a great deal of responsibility for, and I don't even say happiness, I say fulfilment where you're experiencing all the emotions. Are you witnessing that where this comparison is stealing that fulfilment of being happy with our true selves? Absolutely. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I used to suffer from what I call comparisonitis a lot. (laughs) Um, And I think it's just so much more, prevalent now like you know where when I was growing up in high school I probably had one or two friends at school that I compared myself to because we didn't have social media but now you probably have one or two friends at school that you compare yourself to and then maybe like 50,000 people on Instagram so it's like you know that you're being exposed to so much more um we are now exposed and and we are exposed now to more information and data than someone was exposed to in their entire life. Mm, We're exposed, mm. you know, in one year, in one year. And, and that's just crazy. There's a lot of information coming in. There's a lot of data coming in. So I think for anyone listening, reminding yourself, like this is another mantra of mine, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And if you have children, like, please talk to them about it. Like, talk to them about it. Because you can be inspired by someone else. Like, I'm absolutely inspired by other people. But if I feel envious, envy is a dangerous, it's it's a dangerous path to go down. But being inspired and admiring someone, that's a very different thing. And it's a very different feeling and energy. So, Sure, absolutely be inspired by others, admire them, tell them how amazing they are and what they're doing and how much it inspires you. But if that envy or that jealousy come up, like look at that, like look at that. That's really important that we face that and we don't suppress it. And I think um, catching it, you know, awareness is key. Awareness is key for all inner transformation. And if I find myself ever comparing myself, I'm I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, wow. That's really interesting that I just went to compare myself to that person because 
my life is amazing and I'm amazing. So I always bring it back to myself. That's interesting that I went to go and compare myself. Why did I go and do that? Maybe because I was feeling insecure within myself in that moment, but I'm full and I'm whole and complete and I don't need to compare myself because I'm amazing and I'm doing amazing, great things in this world. So I don't need to compare myself to anyone else. So awareness is key. So that leads me on to what you call in the book mirror work. So you stand naked in front of the (laughs) mirror and when your mean girl says negative things, you stand there where you, you... encourage yourself to stand there for five minutes until the mean girl goes away. Mm-hmm. My question in society today where we are a very unhealthy society, is there a chance the mean girl is actually right and the mean girl could be saying something that is beneficial for us to make the emotional and physical moves to a healthier and more fulfilled life if we get ourselves in a healthier state. That mm. must be a tricky one when you're standing looking, doing mirror work, I'm saying, and you're going, mean girl saying this, you're trying to get away from that, which I think is part of the compounding issue today is we're not facing up to the fact that maybe, how do you tell when the mean girl could be right? Mm, that's a really good question. And I think it comes back down to the feeling within yourself, like, The mean girl, when she says something to you, it's usually from that place of fear. So it's usually not very nice. It's mean, it's nasty, but there could be an element of truth to what she is saying. Like if you are a hundred kilos overweight and you're diabetic and you have heart disease and you are really unwell and she's saying things to you like you need to sort your life out you need to sort your health out she'd probably say a lot of other nasty things as well um which I won't even bother going into but she might say things like you need to get up and sort yourself out like you're she might add in a you're pathetic or something like that so there may be like an element of truth to what she is saying, but the nasty things she says, like you're this, you're that, we don't need to listen to that. Take the element of truth and take action with that. So maybe she is right. You do need to sort your health and your life out. So what are you going to do? You're going to get you know, get someone to help you. We're going to get a coach, a mentor, someone to help you with nutrition, someone to help you with your movement, someone to help you with your mindset. And you're going to take inspired action every single day. So yes, there probably is an element of truth, but only, you know, and this is why we've got to, you know, go inward and really cultivate a beautiful relationship with ourselves so that we can hear these messages Um, And we can take inspired action. But the nasty, nasty, nasty things she says are absolutely not true. That's an interesting point, Melissa. And I think what people need to hear here is that you've, I mean, you've had a a career of dancing and being in shape at the top of your game. And people would look at you and go, well, it's all right for you. You're not 100 kilos overweight and you're not 
uh, diabetic and you're not this. But you actually went through a period of self-loathing for your body, didn't you? I mean, you you actually have been there and done this with looking in the mirror for whatever reason. And the word you used in your book was having your own self-loathing. So you've actually been there, haven't you? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um I battled my body and battled an eating disorder for many, many years. And that self-loathing and that hatred, it's very, it's a very dark and challenging place. And whether you're underweight or overweight, like it's all the same. Mm. It's all mm. the same. It's all self-loathing. And it's all just different labels. But it was a very challenging time in my life Incre- to hate your body. Like I'm, I'm getting emotional, like even saying it, to hate your body and yourself so much is such a hard place to be in. It is such a dark and a hard place. And I, I'm getting emotional because I, I'm thinking back to that girl And I just want to hold her and tell her how amazing she is and how beautiful she is and how love she is. But I didn't know this in my late teens, in my early 20s. I didn't know this. And so I hated myself and I hated my body. And I was so hard on myself. And it led to very disordered eating patterns disordered thinking patterns and a very destructive relationship with myself. Um, You know, I started taking drugs and doing alcohol and uh, going down that path because I was just in such a dark place. But that doesn't have to be your reality and it's not your truth. Your truth is love. Your truth is that beautiful essence who you are inside your heart. That is your truth. Not the nasty things your inner mean girl is telling you. That is not the truth of who you are. I don't care how loud your inner mean girl is. That is not your truth. And I think back to, you know, the younger Melissa and I just, I just want to hold her and I just want to love her so much and just tell her that, She's perfect and she's whole and she's complete just the way she is. She doesn't need to change herself at all or fix or improve herself. She's just whole and complete and we all are. We all are whole and complete and perfect just as you are. Don't look now, Melissa, but I think the mean girl's got a chainsaw. <laughs> that is definitely someone outside. I'm so sorry about that noise. <laughs> Do you know, something I'm curious about, and I'd like your honest opinion on this, it's funny how there seems to be this drive for, I don't know, it's the wrong word to say equality, that the girls, ladies, females are really driving this this notion of equality through sport and business and everything else, and I have absolutely no issue with it. I, I think it's it's great. The thing I'm curious about is the language that I hear a lot of young women use, which is got to crush it, got to get it done, can't stop, got to keep drive, 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 drive. 
Yet in the book you talk about the three R's, rest, rejuvenation and recuperation. And it just seems that there's a bit of social conditioning around it's go, 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 be more, do more, get more, have more, achieve more. But it, in the book you talk about the guilt that's associated with actually doing the three R's. How do you see this, this place right now and how do you see it for the, the girls around you? Do they, do they understand the, the importance of resting, rejuvenation and recuperation? I think some people do and some people have still to learn this. And, you know, we are very much in a society where it's go, 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 do, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And, you know, I have that very much in my default. That's a, It's a default setting that I learned growing up. You got to work hard. You got to go for it, and I have have that type A, very driven, overachieving drive. But it has to be balanced with the slow. You, we have to have that balance because you can't be all one or the other. You can't be down one end of the seesaw, being go go go, achieve 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 strive, strive, strive. And you don't want to be down the other end where you're just like, I don't want to do anything and I'm just going to lay on the beach all day. Um, We want to find a really nice balance of the both. And the way we do that is through self-awareness because awareness is key for transformation. And so we want to have this nice juicy balance. And this is something that I do every day. My whole day is balanced between go, 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 and rest. And that is how I do my day, my weeks, my years, everything. But let's just bring it back to the day. You know, each day I make sure I have got my, you know, I'm doing my work, I'm going for it, but then I'm also taking time out to rest and rejuvenate. So let's bring it to each day and make sure that you are balancing both. Do whatever you need to do to balance the both. Because if you don't, you will burn yourself out. You will end up how I ended up like in um, 2010, I ended up in hospital with uh, chronic fatigue and adrenal fatigue because I was too go, 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 go all the time. And we don't want you to get to that place because without your health, you can't do the things that you want to do in life. So without our health, we, we have nothing. We can't get out of bed if we don't have our health. So before it gets to that place, make sure each day is balanced with the go and also the rest. And that is our own personal responsibility that we mm. need to do every day. In the book, it seems you're a fan of Eckhart Tolle, the author, and you wrote a quote of Eckhart's, who we should say hello to Eckhart, he's a big fan of the show. Uh, he said, you create a good future by creating a good present. And one of the mean girl's biggest tricks is to keep us out of the present moment. With the stuff you've witnessed, the stuff you do, what's your suggestion for bringing ourselves to the present? My favorite way to do this is through breath. So in any moment of any day, you can come back to the present by simply taking a breath. I'm back. I'm back. 
It's simply how we can come back to the present moment. Because if you are worrying about the past or stressing about the future, you're missing the present moment. You're absolutely missing the beauty of the present moment. And you'll never, ever, ever, ever get this moment back ever again, ever. It's gone forever. And you'll never get it back. And so it really is another personal responsibility of ours to make sure we're present. It's it's something that I work on every moment. Am I here? Yep, I'm here. Or am I in my head worrying about what Sarah said to me last week or what, you know, I've got to do in three months? Where am I? Am I here? This is where the magic happens. And it's a it's again like it's in muscle that we need to flex every single day. A way that you can flex that muscle is through breathing deeply and meditation. I'm a massive, massive fan of meditation. I meditate twice a day for 20 minutes. I call that my spiritual sit-ups. So I go to the gym and I do sit-ups. I've got to work my body, but I've also got to flex my mind. And I do that by doing meditation twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. And I do it even when I don't want to. I do it when even when my life is flowing so beautifully and effortlessly and everything is amazing. I still do it because that is my spiritual sit-ups and you've got to do them every single day. Isn't it funny though, if you said to somebody, I've got this amazing process for bringing you to the present moment and it's your breath and it's free. You carry it with you no matter where you are, what you're doing, you can do it. Isn't it amazing how fewer people would do it though? People would be looking for the latest hack, the latest technique, give me the latest app, give me the latest, I've got to go and do a course on it. Yet, if you're talking customer service, one of the greatest tools you've got is to smile, yet how few people do it <laughs> yet. To bring yourself to the moment, you got the breath. It just, it almost seems too easy that people don't believe it is real. Mm, absolutely. And like you said, it's with you wherever you go and it's free. And so when I'm driving, I, I breathe. It's all I do. I just breathe. And we live in a culture where we pride ourselves on multitasking and busy, being busy. Oh, how are you? Yeah, busy. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, me too. So busy. Oh, poor thing. So busy. And we pride ourselves on this and we wear busyness as a badge of honor and multitasking as a badge of honor. Um, And for me, it's like, you'll know from my book that the word busy is, is another word that is not in my vocabulary. It's not in my dictionary. I don't have it in my dictionary. It was deleted. I widened it out in my dictionary because that is not the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life busy. I don't. Um, and so my husband and I will say, like, if people, you know, say, oh, how, how's everything going or how's your day? And we'll say, oh, today's really full. So, sorry, I won't be able to do the meeting today because today's full. Um, so we don't say, oh, today's so busy because busy has this negative connotation. We'll say, oh, I can't, I won't be able to do that meeting today. I can do it next week. Today's a bit too full. So I won't be able to fit that Let's in. Go. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a quick mm. little swap of mm. words and it has a very different it energy. It has a really different energy. And, and so maybe everyone could eliminate that word as well. Um, busy and, and also multitasking, like, I don't want to multitask because that means I'm doing two things or three things or four things half-heartedly 
I want to just do one thing and be present with it and do it completely. And so that's something that I am working on um, and and want to really strengthen. I know you like to journal. Tell me the most profound way you use your journal because there are lots of different things you could do. What do you do that has the most profound impact on your world? There's There's been times in my life where I have really done a lot of journaling and then there's times where I have just done gratitude journaling. And I think gratitude journaling is the most profound thing. And what I do is I literally start at the top of the page and I write gratitude list and I write from the top to the bottom and I fill that entire page with things that I'm grateful for. And I know that's different to actually journaling, but this is probably one of the most profound exercises that I do that really helps me because there's always things to be grateful for, always. We just have to open up, look up and see it. It's always there. Um, And then in terms of like an actual journaling practice, uh, I tend to journal when I'm confused about something or perplexed about something and I journal to help unravel that for myself. So I just literally do like a stream of consciousness and I try not to censor it and I try not to hold back. I don't worry if anyone's going to read it because I usually rip it out and um, of the book and, and rip it up and bin it anyway. So I just literally write whatever is on my heart and mind and try and uh, help myself uncover, unravel whatever I feel perplexed about. And it usually works, which is really great. You know, it's a funny process I think you just uncovered is that when you say to people, write down your dreams or write down something that's emotional and close to you, most people I find are very guarded with what they write down, particularly in group environments, because Particular, like normally a facilitator will say, now turn to the person next to you and tell them what you wrote. So knowing that's coming up, people aren't honest with themselves and they never write it down. But I've seen even the biggest, buffiest guys, when you say no one is going to read this, so be honest with yourself, they will actually have a crack at it and they'll actually be honest and truth. The idea of knowing the back of your mind, whatever I write, I'm then going to rip up and throw away and no one is ever going to see it because it's going in the fireplace. I reckon that's a really powerful tool to be honest with yourself and write down whatever the hell's on your mind, good, bad, the ugly, knowing that no one will ever see it because we think, and I have always had this view that when it's in a journal, it's going to stay there forever. It's in a journal. You go back in 10 years time and go through your journal. (laughs) But that thought of, you know what, you write it, rip it, rip it up and throw it away, that must get rid of a shield, Mm, absolutely. And um, I never go back and reread journals because it, it's in the past. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not real and it's done. So I, like, I just rip my journals up. I rip out pages, rip them up, put them in the bin. Um, and then when it's finished, I just put the whole journal in the bin. Um, and I usually write quite messily in my journal because um, I just, I just, it, I want it to be really uncensored. 
I don't want it. I don't want to feel like it has to be perfect for my English teacher. I just let it rip. I just let it rip because it's just for me. And knowing that you can rip it up and bin it after, it really does help me um, write really uncensored and real and authentic and honestly. I would like to have a psychologist on the call right now. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. When you write in your journal and then you say, I don't want to see them again because it's not real, What you're writing about is your emotions, potentially memories, I mean, it could be anything. Yet only earlier in the conversation, we spoke about your period of self-loathing and you recall that period and it was very real because you got emotional about it. So obviously the past is very real and if you're writing with the present moment, that is real because you're in that particular moment writing and breathing. It'd be interesting from a psychologist's point of view to know how real what you are writing in a journal, how that's impacting your brain, your emotions, your hormones, and how that is different to recalling a moment in your mind where you go back to a young Melissa looking in the mirror. And I don't know the answer. I'm just raising it as a, it would be a really interesting conversation to have with someone who's very smart to go, well, where do those things sit in the mind? Mm, mm. What are you saying? I'm not smart. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like just a, but someone who can break it down from a psychology perspective or a deep psychoanalytic perspective, because certainly we're not smart, um, as in the guys in the studio here. But um, do you know what I mean? Like, is is how real is that when you are writing down and sharing your thoughts, your emotions, your opinions? all the things that anger you, that make you happy, fulfill you, bring you joy, is that a different writing in a journal to when you just sit under a tree and recap it in your mind as a memory? Mm. Well, really, essentially, only love is real. Like, only love is real. Like, that's, that. I mean, that's what I believe and and everyone's entitled to their own opinion and belief, but I believe only love is real. And, yes, feelings and emotions that come up they're real in that present moment, but are they the real truth? Like with a capital T. No, the ca- the ca- the real truth with the capital T is that love is our truth, and the rest is being co-created by us and our mean girl and the stories that we tell ourselves. But that emotion, that fear, or that anger, or that frustration is real for that moment. It's true in that moment but true with a lowercase t, not true with a capital T because the truth with a capital T is love. Anyway, that's my belief and that's, yeah, that's what I believe. Can of worms. Um, People who want, the book's going really great. Where where do people find the book? Where do you want to send them to? Uh, is it to your website? Where Where's the best place to get a hold of the book and learn more about what you're doing with the book? Sure. You can head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide. I've also created a free video masterclass for anyone. That you, All you have to do is just head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide. It is the open wide video masterclass that I created with my husband. Um, it was It's where we see 
sit and we answer everyone's burning questions about the book and go deeper on a lot of the topics. So that's free if you guys want that. Um, and then I'm very active on Instagram and my handle's Melissa Ambrosini and Facebook, Melissa Ambrosini Tribe. Um, and come and sign up to my website if you want and get all my updates. And I've got uh, my podcast as well, which is called The Melissa Ambrosini Show. So come and check that out. I interview epic people on there and um, we have a lot of fun. So yeah, come and check us out. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on the show and for asking such great, deep, soulful questions. It takes me so long to write them for Gary, you wouldn't (laughs) believe it. Sure. Just constantly <laughs> writing. Go back and look in the mirror and check out your mean girl, mate. Um, <laughs> Melissa, it, it's been lovely talking to you and we did get a bit deep, but I wanted to do that because I really sort of wanted to get people to get a sense of you, your thoughts, the depth of your understanding of this area, the journey you've been on to bring you to this place now. You do have a big tribe. You're doing wonderful work. So we, um, we're we stoked to have you come back on again. That's the that's probably the highest praise of when somebody says, yeah, I'll come and spend some more time with you. That's good. So thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. No, I'm really, really grateful. You asked such great, deep questions, and it was a really fun interview for me. So thank you very much. And please send us the link when it goes live. Live, okay. We will do. I'm actually going out to do, do some yard work now, so I'm going to turn your podcast on and have a listen. Yeah, your day's your, your oh, day's very good. full, isn't it, Darren? <laughs> I'm going for some relaxed time. I'm going to do some gardening. That's yeah. beautiful. Some How me nice. time. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy. That's yeah. right. Indeed. Enjoy. Do you know one thing? I just want to. This is this is just something which I thought was very profound to finish with. I just want to thank you for sharing it. There's only one voice but it can be disguised in different tones. I think that's really very, very powerful because I've never heard it framed that way. Yet I've heard about the imposter syndrome and so on. So I think if nothing else, that is an absolute nugget piece of gold to take away from the show. So um, it was great. Thank you, Melissa. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes What's Hot list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show and leave a comment now. Oh, and please... You are such a disappointing pair. Be gentle with us. I was wondering whether we could... Are you able to rewind some tape back to a previous guest? Sure. Hang on. Let me spool back here. I'll stick some... How far back am I going? Well... Take me back, do 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 do. <laughs> Episode 140. Do you recall Dr. Jason Selk, who's the mental sports performance coach for the St. Louis Cardinals? But of course. Now, Melissa was talking about mantras, and whilst she was having that conversation with us, it made me think of, and I've got to say, I think Dr. Jason Selk was one of our great shows. And the reason I had Dr. Jason Selk on the show was he was the author of a book called 10 Minute Toughness, which I think is probably the best book to read to bring yourself to the exact moment when you need to perform, whether you're giving a speech at a wedding, whether you are on stage somewhere, whether you're getting ready for a big match. Dr. Jason Selk is the guy. And he talked about creating a personal identity statement, which essentially is a statement you use as part of this 10-minute toughness setup to bring yourself to the moment. And it's kind of like having a mantra that helps you get yourself focused and in the right space. Do you remember that episode with Dr. Jason Selk? Got it right here. I've heard you speak about another legendary coach, a football coach in America called Bear Bryant. 
and his process of, of his playing back video to his team members. Could you just talk us through what Bear Bryant did and why he did what he did when he was with his players and what he chose to focus on? Yeah, and again, it, it boils down to expectancy, expectancy theory. That which you focus on expands. So what Bear Bryant did was in film session after the game, he would never show a player a play they did or executed poorly. Instead, he would show the player the plays he did well. And if there wasn't a play that the player himself did well, he would show the film of a teammate doing that job or that task well. And I think Bear Bryant was well ahead of his time in that he understood that if he kept showing his players what they were doing poorly, that's what would expand. They would, they would continue to do poor execution. Whereas the fastest way to improve a person's performance is to get in their head the improvement, the solution, instead of having them replay the mistake over and over. Before we wrap up today... A uh, bit of exciting news. And those who have been on the journey with the Mojo Radio Show for five seasons will know this already, but last week's guest offered us a show of our own, <laughs> a real show on a real radio station. Mm. Uh, we're not convinced yet. So what we thought we would do is just make some phone calls to this little township mm. to find out specifically what it's all about. Well, little little is little. Did you know that Boring Tennessee has a population of 83? I'm sure. I'm at sh- the moment, 83 and growing. Yeah, 83 and growing. And uh, at the moment, right now as we speak, the weather there is a sunny minus 12 degrees. Now, if we go... Do we take AP and Lofty? Because that would go from 83 to 87, well, 86 and a half. Oh, well, we're getting close. (laughs) Hello to Lofty if you're listening. (laughs) Oh, you're going to kill me for that. Oh, you're in big trouble now, mate. You're in big trouble. But, um, yeah, well, I think we should all go, don't you? I definitely think we should all go. What's in the contract? Well, that's that's the next thing. How much are they going to pay? But I thought I'd do some research, and, and I've got a few numbers here for us to call. The first one um, is uh, is in a town called Oak Grove, which is just next door to Boring, um, and it's the local Denny's restaurant. Shall we give them a call? Yep. Thank you for choosing my Denny's. This is Kylie Ann. How may I help you? Kylie Ann, hi. It's um it's Robbo and Gary calling from the Mojo Radio Show in Sydney, Australia. Okay. Um, we were just we were just wondering. Um, you're in Clarksville, is that right? Oak Grove. Oak Grove. Okay. And is that near a place called Boring? I don't think so. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's not so promising, is it? Uh, what about right next door to Boring is the Tri Cities Airport? Will we try them? Well, they should know something about it. Yeah. You'd think so. You have reached the operations department at the Tri Cities Airport. No luck there. We're unavailable no, well, to take try, your call this, right this now. Actually looks Please promise. leave a this message. This is more like us. This is a sports bar, so they they oh. should know all the local hangs. <laughs> is there a sports bar there? I'm definitely going. Hang on. Sandy, this is Sandy. How can I help you? Sandy, hi. Uh, we are calling from a radio show in Australia to ask you a question or two. Do you have a second? Uh, no, I don't. I'm sorry. Call back later. Right. Thank you. Obviously very busy. All right. Last. This is the last crack. Try this one. Buffalo Wild Wings. Is that what this place is called? Uh, thank you for calling Buffalo Wild Wings in Kingsport. My name is Cody. How can I help you? Hey, Cody. We're calling from Australia, mate. We, um, we've been offered some work in Boring there in Tennessee. Are you nearby there? 
Uh, yeah. So we, we, we might be coming across there. Uh, we're from Australia. How far are you from boring? Uh, ooh, I'm trying to think about that. Um, I'm really not too sure exactly how far we are from there. Yeah, I've never even, I've never even been to that area. Is, is boring a big place? Uh, I have no idea. Like I said, I've never been to that area. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fair way away from you then. Is that right? Um, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, give me one second. I'll get my manager for you and uh, see if he can help you out uh, any more than what I can. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Thank you for holding this. This is Jonah. Hey, Jonah. We're calling from Australia, mate. We've been offered some work in Boring, Tennessee, and we're looking for a place to eat. <laughs> Are you near Boring, Tennessee? Boring? The town called Boring? Yeah. Uh, let me. I've never heard of it. Let me see. Let me... Let me look, look it up real quick, and then I can tell you where it's at. Hold on one okay. second, okay? Thanks, mate. Thanks. Thanks. A repeat of previous crowd-pleasing orders. It's the easiest way to put... Okay, it looks like you are directly in between my restaurant and the Johnson City Buffalo Wild Wings, so you could go either way. Awesome. Have you been to Boring? Do you know much about the place? No, I didn't even know it existed until just now, and I looked it up, and apparently it is in Sullivan County, Tennessee. So I thought you were just saying you were bored in Tennessee, looking for some place to get a beer or something. Well, that's while you're on the while you're on that topic. So uh, if we come and visit you there, because uh, we might be coming across there in the next couple of weeks to do some work. What's the specialty of okay. the house, mate? Um, you're talking with drinks. You're talking about food. Let's start with food. Both. Uh, on Tuesdays, we have um, the boneless wings are a great deal. They're buy one, get one free. And then on Thursdays, we do 65-cent boneless wings. So that's almost just as good as the Tuesday deal. And then every day between 2 and 7, we have a happy hour, which is like you know like a dollar off of our draft beers and our margaritas and stuff like that. And what about barbecue? Do you do some ribs and stuff like that? We don't have ribs here. We do have um, we do have barbecue sauces that we do um, pulled pork. Uh, pulled pork is really like the only barbecue product we have. Um, ribs aren't something that we carry currently. Do you uh, do you have bottled beers there as well, Jonah? Would you have like a Dosecchi or something like that on uh, on a bottle? We have. Uh, we don't have Dosecchi in a bottle, but we have it on uh, draft. But we do oh. have a pretty. We've got a pretty good selection of bottled beers. Dos Equis is not one of them because we have it. Since we have it on draft, we don't carry it in a bottle. But you've got it, you've got it on draft. Dos Equis? Yeah. yeah, we just have it on draft. That's gold. All right. Well, that's fantastic, mate. We uh, we appreciate your help. If we uh, if we get this gig in boring Tennessee, uh, how, boring far Tennessee. Do, how, how far a drive would it be to you? You're right there. You're, we're probably 15 minutes from oh. – probably 15 minutes to get to us or – Maybe a little bit less, probably just as quick to go to the Johnson City location. There, we have three Buffalo Wild Wings in our area. It looks like you guys, looks like Boring is near the uh, airport here. Yeah, the Tri City or Tri County Airport or something, right? Tri City, yeah, Tri City Airport. That's uh, that's where you're going to be close to. Yeah, 15 minutes or less for sure. So, Jonah, how is it that a, a little town can be 15 minutes from you, but you've never heard of it? Is it that small? I don't. I didn't know. It, it's. A, I looked it up. It's an unincorporated area. I had, I had no idea that it was. Uh, I thought that was considered uh, Bluntville right there. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Boring was it? Maybe it. Maybe it's kind of boring. I don't know. <laughs> I've never, it's got to be very small because I never have heard of it. But I, I'm not from this area either, so I, I haven't lived here 
like my entire life, my entire life. So I just never heard of that one, but it, I'm glad I learned something new every day. That's pretty cool. Well, you've been very helpful, mate. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be sure to drop in if we get this gig over there. All right, great. Thank you, sir. The Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. If there's a sports bar and a Buffalo Wild Wings that sells the food that we were just we were just hearing about and has Dosecchi on tap, surely that makes our mind up. Well, the only downside is that no one actually knows where Boring is. So you can go and sit <laughs> yeah. in a sports bar, but there is no radio station because we haven't found... Anyway, look, folks, we'll keep on it. We're not convinced this is all legit. Dirk seemed to be serious about it. Let's, let's just play with it. We'll make some more calls. We'll let you know what's happening next week. So what song's going to take us out this week? Okay, well, I've put a bit of thought into this. Uh, Chuck, do you know the Chuck Berry song, Memphis, Tennessee? That was also covered by George Thorogood. It was covered by George Thorogood, but the, uh, personally, I think the Chuck Berry version is better. I don't. Not, I actually think. Not, all respect to George. <laughs> all respect to George. But here we go. Do you know that the story is actually about him trying to find someone? So I thought the fact that we were trying to find boring made a nice little link. So I reckon that's the way to get out. All right, we're out.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time. <laughs>